Welcome to the Extra Podcast. This is Jeff Bucknam speaking, and this is another in our series of Nobody Podcasts. Not because the people we're talking to are nobodies, but in the world's eyes, they might not be well known, but we think that they're known well by Jesus. So, Peter Prediger is sitting across from me today. Peter, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Peter's uh, story is that he's been a part of Northview for a number of years, actually was an elder for a period of time, and is currently working as a missionary, local missionary, I think is the best way to say it, serving with uh, refugee claimants in our particular area, which I want to get to in a minute. Before that, though, Peter, I want to know, are you from this area? You're married, first of all. Yes. Uh, my wife, Donna, and I are actually um, the leadership of Inasmuch Community Society. Yeah, we met when we were 15 and 16 years old. And How long did it take for you to realize you wanted to marry her? Um, it was pretty quick. You didn't get married, though, right away? Uh, no, I had to wait till I graduated university. Okay. That was that was the rule at Royal Military College. You had to wait till graduation. Okay. And I'm not sure Don Lynn was even sure at that time, but I think she's pretty good with it now. <laughs> You've grown on her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly. good. You grew up in a where where where's your hometown? I grew up in southern Ontario in Burlington. Um, not a Christian home. In fact, not a whole lot of fun to be in the house. Uh, so I couldn't wait to leave and get to university. Um, and then Donlin and I actually met before we went off to university. And uh, Is she from that area as well? She is. But she was about 25 miles away. And those days we talked miles. Yeah. And so I used to cycle out to her place in the morning and the summer times and then cycle home in, uh, in the afternoon or in the evening. So, yeah, I was, no, I fell in love with, as soon as I saw her, she was wearing gray elephant pants. And that was it for me. That was um, it. Yeah, that's, that was it that's, for me. That's what did it. <laughs> yeah. So all you who are listening... All you ladies, the gray elephant pants apparently are a good move on some guys. Back in the 60s, they sure were. Great. Okay. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so she, uh, you, you met her early, but it took a number of years. You, you were, uh, you just mentioned that you went to Royal Military College. Yes. Uh, I'm an American, so I don't know, I have no idea what that means. It's sort of like West Point, Ooh. except better quality, and it's a degree-granting <laughs> university, so I'm a mechanical engineer by, by uh, trade. Yeah, so... What did you want to... That's what you wanted to do, mechanical engineering, or did you want to work in the forces, the armed forces? Well, it was required after graduation to spend f five years in the armed forces to pay back the, for the education. So I did that and was an officer uh, in the combat engineers here in Chilliwack. Okay, is that how you got out to this part of the world? Yep, and I knew right at the end of that time I was away so much all over the world with the military that I uh, wanted to get out and spend more time with Don Lynn and the kids, but then really didn't realize that I wasn't sure that, I didn't know that she was not too happy with me at that time, being an A-type person and um, being an officer in a combat unit in the armed forces. So, um, yeah, our marriage, we had two kids, awesome kids, Pete and Allison. Um, we had the two kids, and I didn't realize what, how things were not great in our marriage. And uh, we actually had moved to mission when I left the military. And um, there was um, a fellow who was installing the telephone system in our new the house we had built in mission. And he said to Don Lynn, hey, there's a um, daycare that's run at the um, Mennonite church here in mission. So Don Lynn went to that. Long story short, there was a woman there who invited Don Lynn to a Bible study, which Don Lynn thought, well, why not? I'll give it a shot. And she ended up becoming a Christian at 31 years old. And when she came home, she never told me. Uh, 
that she'd become a Christian. But what I saw in her, even though I thought like crazy, this what I saw in her, um, she became a First Peter three woman, and I really wanted what what she had. And so after two years of back and forth, um, this the woman who had led Donlin to the Lord, her husband led me to the Lord, and uh, that really turned our lives around at that point in time. So were you involved in the church in that period of time, the two years between, or were you kind of just fringy? Yeah, no, I was not even fringy. I was really not all that crazy about that whole Christian thing. Why not? Um, The same old reason, you know, how can a good God let all of these children around the world starve and be in war and that sort of thing? But um, it was actually her husband, this woman's husband, who led Don Lynn to the Lord. We were driving to the Vancouver Aquarium one day and with the kids. He looks over at me as we're driving and says, hey, Pete, what's your relationship with Jesus Christ like? And I looked at him and said, what kind of stupid question is that? But it was about six months later that uh, we were sitting on their dock up in the shoe swap. And man, it was like he'd pushed me off the dock into fresh water. Hmm. And uh, we had chased the next day and bought a Bible and read it from cover to cover. And we became very involved. It was at Mission Alliance Church, helped them build the church. And yeah, we loved it. Still in mission. Um, we were living in mission at that yep. time. And then I was working as an engineer and engineering manager for Fiberglass Canada. They used to be a big plant there in mission. And it closed down. And um, I was offered a promotion back in Ontario with the same company. So uh, we moved. It was 1990. We moved back east. Um, went to, ended up in Sarnia, Ontario. There was no... Alliance Church there, so we didn't think there were any Christians in town. <laughs> so <laughs> we're trying to figure out what to do, and someone said, hey, try this Baptist church. So we went to the Baptist church and uh, absolutely loved it. It was Fellowship of Evangelical Baptists, yeah. Temple Baptist in Sarnia. That's great. Yeah. But how many years? You, you, ended up, you ended up going on the mission field. Yeah, it was really neat what happened um, when we started at um, Temple Baptist in Sarnia, Ontario. We were at church one Sunday, and they had um, an announcement that there was going to be a man's breakfast. So I thought, what the you, heck? And you were a man. I was a man. You eat breakfast. And I can so. do breakfast. And our son, Pete, was 13 at the time. And so uh, we went to the breakfast, and there was a missionary from Haiti who was you know, talking about putting a team together there. It was really awesome. And I'm sitting there looking at him, and God said to me, uh, you and Pete are going to Haiti as part of this team. So right afterwards, I went up to George and I said, Pete and I are going to go on the team. And so he looked at me and says, okay, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a mechanical engineer. He says, no, we need real people. (laughs) Um, You know, someone who who can build a building and that sort of thing. And I said, well, George, I believe that Pete and I are to go. So a few months later, that was in March. The team was going in November. He... um, called me and said, hey, we've got room for one. I said, well, it doesn't matter because Pete's coming with me. He said, well, we can't take a kid. So, but anyway, September rolled around. We both went. <laughs> and yeah, I didn't do anything down there. The, um, the field director was having a heck of a time with leadership with his team. So I spent three weeks with him <laughs> just talking about leadership and meeting with the staff and uh, working through the barriers and problems that were there. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't really go down and wield a hammer or anything. So it was, yeah, he was right. He did, I couldn't have done anything that they were doing. So 
Right. But God had other plans. And you listen, this kind of human resources type of work is what you ended up doing exactly. for a number of years. Yeah, and that's what, in the end, took us to Africa. The same church, the next year there was a missions conference, and um, there was a mission, they had workshops. And our son Pete, after being in Haiti, he said, Dad, we got we to, gotta, Mom and Dad, we got to go do something worthwhile. So we went to this missions conference, and there, was, there were workshops and one of them was called, How Do You Become a Missionary? So Pete and Allison are sitting with us, and Pete taps me on the shoulder. You and Mom go to that one. So we went to that one. And as this guy was talking about all the steps, as he's worked with many missionaries over the years, it was like, man, God's been looking, and you know, he's been looking in our window. So after the workshop was done, everybody got up and left. Donnie and I are crazy glued to our seats. Both of us felt this. And... Um, so we asked this old fellow, okay, what are the needs? He was with Transworld Radio, International Christian Broadcasting. And he said, uh, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a mechanical engineer. So he said, come on back tomorrow night. So we went back the next night. He, this old fellow's running towards us with a piece of paper in the air, yelling at us, it's on Bonaire, it's on Bonaire. I said, awesome, what's a Bonaire? And he said, scuba diving capital of the world. And so I said, hmm, I can suffer for Jesus in the scuba diving capital of the world because I was a, had been a combat diver in the military. So we applied. We went through the whole acceptance process. And as we were, we raised our support in about 10 months. Mm. And as we're getting closer. That's short. Yeah, getting closer. We had a very good uh, group of people who we became engaged with um, in Sarnia. So... About two months, we were all packed up. Pete and I are looking at scuba gear and all that sort of stuff. And um, got a phone call from Transworld Radio, said, uh, we have your field assignment. I said, uh, wait a minute, it has to do with scuba gear, right? And they said, no, we'd like you to go to the field director for Africa. <clears throat> so when I regained consciousness, um, I went home and told Pete and, or Don and Pete and Allison, and there was a lot of excitement in the house. The other thing that happened, though, during that time is um, a fellow that I'd worked with at Fiberglass Canada, he had been promoted and, and joined another big company. And he'd been calling me for a long time saying, I'd like you to join this company that I'm working with. And so he called again. And uh, so I said, well, what the heck? I'll come and meet with you. And the job was to be in... Uh, the Kingston area. And I always wanted to go back to Kingston, have a sailboat, all that really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And they were offering more money than I could imagine, um, a car, everything. So I said, I told him about Africa and he said, well, that's cool, but this is really awesome. So I'm driving back to Sarnia. It's about a three hour drive from Toronto. And all the way, I'm so excited. And I get home and the house we had was right on the beach on Lake Huron and it's July and so Don and the kids weren't there. So I went lay on the beach and I'm looking at all these boats going by thinking, I can have one of those. I, I can have one of those. <laughs> and uh, so, I, you know Don Lynn, she's pretty straightforward. Um, when she got to the beach, I'm saying, this is what's happened. And I said, I, this must be what God has for us. And she gave me one of those looks like, whatever. That night, we're in bed, one o'clock in the morning. I'm tossing and turning. I'm so excited about this boat I'm going to buy. <laughs> and uh, Don Lynn turns on the light, pulls out the Bible, and pulls out the parable of the sower that talks about the good seed that falls and life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and it doesn't bear any fruit. 
looks at me, slams the Bible shut and turns out the light. Well, that was the end of that job (laughs) opportunity. So, So, yeah. Yeah. Why didn't he tell a story about (laughs) boats? I know. That would have been (laughs) Anyway, so, yeah, we ended up um, in Africa for five years. Our kids went off to boarding school. And uh, went into a situation there that was very difficult. There were a lot of staff issues. We were uh, stationed in Swaziland, but I was responsible for Sub-Saharan Africa. So dealing with a lot of missionary and structural issues. So, Was that a big change for you when you arrived? I'm assuming you arrived there. You, you not, had, you, had you traveled to that part of the world or seen that kind of poverty or seen that kind of situation before? No. Well, we'd been to Haiti. We, yeah. We'd seen the situation there. But I remember going to um, downtown Toronto because to, at those times, because of apartheid in South Africa, you had to get a visa even to stop on our way through to Swaziland. So I'm looking around this downtown part of Toronto and all these big black guys are playing basketball. I'm going, oh my goodness, what have I got myself into? Mm. But um, we, uh, people say to us, did you like Africa? Well, how do you, you know, we were surrounded by poverty, but uh, we absolutely love the people. Mm. We made a lot of very good friends within the Swazi culture and in my travels throughout Southern Africa. And uh, it was tough taking two teenage kids, 13 and 16 years old. Was it the hardest part, you think? Now, for for Donlin especially, you know, her, she worked a couple of times outside the home, but her, she's an awesome mom. Mm. I don't think it, a child could ask for a better mom than Don Lynn. Um, she loved her kids. And then to put them uh, on a bus to boarding school um, was very difficult. And so that was, it was like her, her purpose in life had ended at that point. Mm-hmm. And the difficult for her, difficulty for her too is I was constantly traveling. Mm. So I was away probably two of every, two weeks of every month. So it was difficult for her. Plus the changes that I was bringing about in restructuring um, some of the other staff there and, and with the I basically saw our role, Donlin's and my role was to enable the African to do the ministry whereas um, the way the mission had been run in most missions as I traveled in Africa was the missionaries went over there to tell the people what to do, tell them about Jesus, tell them how what to do and they were the leaders mm. And, but I really believe that uh, the missionary's role is to empower nationals to reach their own. And so um, it, that worked out very well, that part of it. I, we went from um, 27 missionary families down to 11 in four years mm-hmm. and tripled the Swazi staff, and most of them were in leadership. That's great. And it was just a lot of mentoring. Yeah. It's great. And you came back. It was it. A- it was a set period of time that you were supposed to be there. Well, I knew that at the end of when we'd reached the five-year point, we really wanted to be back in Canada for so Alice could have her last year of high school in Canada. Pete had already graduated high school there and had been in Canada for a couple of years and went to Trinity Western. And um, so we stayed, we were in Canada for a year um, for Allison's last year. And then we were asked to go to North Carolina to the headquarters and as Vice President International Human Resources, I hated the title. And I said, can I just change it to Director of People Development? And so for the next five years, again, this was very hard on Don Lin. For the next five years, um, 
I was seldom home. I was in Asia. Asia restructured the Asia Pacific region and then restructured the uh, what they call the Americas region, Latin America and South America. So, um, and then at the end of that, I knew it was it was time to move on. Like uh, I've seen too many missionaries, or a lot of not too many, but many missionaries who remain in the field because they don't know what to do when they right. get back home. So we just really, I really felt it was time for us to. Uh, move on. I'd done what I believed that. So you moved back to this area. Yeah, we moved back. To, yeah, to Abbotsford. What year was this? Uh, Two thousand and three. Okay. So we've been back fourteen years now. Okay. Yeah. And you started. To, did you start attending Northview at that point? <clears throat> yeah. Well, we sort of went around various. We went back to missionalized church, and everybody, you know, was different. So yeah. we tried out Northview and loved it, and have remained here yeah. uh, since that time. And, you know, I've become in, in, engaged and involved in, in various things. But I think the real focus of where we've come since uh, we returned is Don Lynn. You know, she, her heart is as big as her body and has this passion for uh, people of other cultures. You know, in, in Swaziland, the, the people there loved her to death. Mm. She would come into my office at lunchtime and say, hey, do you want to walk down to the bank with me? And it's a third world country. And. But I said, it takes too long because she stopped and talked to her. The women would stop and talk to her. Yeah. And, you know, there you don't, just don't say hi and, yeah. or hi, whore. It's how are your kids? How are your cattle? How's everything? So um, the people there loved Don Lynn. And you guys, it's <clears throat> been a few years. You've kind of been thrust into the situation that you're in now within as much uh, – Ministries that you you in as much sort of started how what 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 is it first well what the impetus was um, while we were in Swaziland every second Sunday we there were two refugee camps in the country one held forty five thousand the other twenty five thousand refugees so um, there was an Angolan or sorry a Mozambican pastor who had started a church a little Baptist church in one of the camps and asked. Uh, Donlin and I to go. So we ended up, we fell in love with the people. And then um, when the genocide happened in Rwanda, uh, it's, I won't spend the time on this, but God put on Donlin's heart that she was to meet a woman there today, that day, when we went to the camp for the first time. And it was a Rwandan woman who had four children and a husband, and they were, Donlin knew, this is our family. Mm. So uh, we became very close to them. They had very little English at that time. When we returned to Canada, we started the process of uh, sponsoring them to come to Canada. And it took two years. We worked through um, Christian Reformed Church in Sarnia at that time who had the licensing agreement. And so this, this family arrived in, in Canada. We had already been transferred to North Carolina, but uh, that was the start of it the heart for this family. And it was God speaking to Don Lynn in that situation. So when we came back, we're trying to figure out, okay, what next? Yes, I started working again in engineering and management, uh, running a small company. And one day we had a phone, or Don Lynn started, sorry, Don Lynn started working at community services mm. just as a helper in English language training. And people from our small group, that sort of thing knew we had a heart for other cultures. So one day, it was Sunday, it'd be seven years ago, this, just this past Easter, 
had a phone call from the Abbotsford police. Mara Fefchek, who's a detective sergeant, goes here to Northview, uh, had heard of us. And he said, three o'clock in the morning, um, Abbotsford police were called by the U.S. Um, border services and said someone's jumped the border. So they were picked up by Abbotsford police, um, processed at Sumas border crossing, and they're about to be released. And Marv said, hey, Don Lynn, I don't, they're just putting them out in the street. They have no clothes other than the wet ones they were wearing. And Don Lynn said, heck, bring him, bring him here. So uh, we already had 13 to 16 people coming for Easter dinner. <laughs> and um, so more? a couple more was no big deal. So the police van shows up at our place and this precious young couple with a little 15-month-old guy get out. And they lived with us for almost two months. And we knew nothing about this refugee claim process. So anyway, we helped them through this. And then um, Don Lynn, during that time, was given this, this vision of a big house for refugee claimants. Neither of us knew what that meant. But so what we did very shortly after that was we sold our house, which was Downs Road Estates. And um, so we could be ready for whatever God had. And I'm sort of standing off to one side and Donald saying, no, we got to do this. We got it. I'm okay. So we ended up living in Dave and Bev Kajawa Mm -hmm. basement suite. There's a couple here from the church. Yeah. We love them to death. They are so precious to us. So four years we And the reason you did the, so, so I just, so we're clear, you, you moved out of your house Yep. in your, how old are you? I, well, I'm 66 now. Okay. So, so we're about 60 years old. 60 years old. You moved out of your house. Yep. And moved into a basement suite. Yep. Just to be ready for what the ready. Lord might have for you. So we thought, okay, how do we move? How that's do we, all, I mean, that's phenomenal. I just am saying it's very different. Well, I guess because we'd moved so many times. Yeah. You know, we just thought, Don and so believed that this was God's plan for us. And uh, at this point in my life, whatever God is talking to her about, I'm going all right, let's do it. So we moved into their basement suite and we uh, heard about Kinbrace, which is um, an organization that works with refugee claimants out of Grandview Baptist Church in, in Vancouver. So we went in, Darlene went in and visited them and that was it. She was hooked. So we decided, hey, let's create our own society. We called it Inasmuch after uh, Matthew 25, Inasmuch as you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. And uh, so we registered with the BC government. We got about five or six people around us who understood and sort of followed along with what we were doing. We formed a board and some money started trickling in. We had $6,000. So we're sitting there with the board saying, okay, there's no big house right now, but let's do something. So Don Lynn again. <laughs> Because there's increasing number. This is, I mean, I think oh, people need unreal. to hear. This is prior to the Syri- Syrian oh, yeah. refugee crisis, yeah. and so and, refugee they were they were coming, but very much under the radar. It wasn't like the big thing that's on everyone's exactly. And and we don't work with Syrian refugees, right? These are refugee claimants. So Syrian refugees, when they come, they already have permanent residency and all that sort of stuff. So these are people with no status, and uh, so what we did, we talked to the board and said, hey, let's let's just do this. We're going to rent an apartment. So we rented an apartment here in Abbotsford, um, met with MCC. They furnished it for us. And the next day we got a phone call from Inline Refugee, who is, they're the ones who try and find housing for the refugee claimants. And this 
uh, young man um, was in, he, he had arrived from Iran with no identification. He had become a Christian in Iran and was fleeing for his life, basically. He paid human smugglers to get him out of the country. So when he arrived in Vancouver, he was in detention for five weeks. And when they let him out, he had no shoelaces. It was pouring down rain on the February, and they gave him a taxi jet, took him to Maple Ridge. A homeless person said, go to the Salvation Army. Salvation Army called Inland. Inland called us. So the next day, we had this young man arrive, and uh, he spent the first couple of nights with us, and then started him in an apartment. So we started the process with him. And then uh, a month later, we're saying, hey, we still got a little bit of money left. Donald says, let's rent, rent another apartment. So we rented another apartment. Another Iranian Kuwaiti came. And we're starting to really like, love what we're doing because these people bless our socks off. Mm. Um, they're running in fear for their lives. So we thought, okay, let's try one more. So we rented another apartment, and it was a young fellow from Cameroon. And so we had three apartments going, and we're actually running around every Sunday morning bringing these guys to Northview with us. Mm. And uh, language was a problem, maybe when he came. In fact, the Sunday after he came, he was baptized in center court. Mm. Yeah, it was by Ezra. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, we just, after that, God just gave us an incredible love for these guys. Yeah. You've you've been blessed though since those days. You don't you don't currently run uh, apartments. You no, actually no. have a house. Yeah. So two and a half years ago, Don Lin knew we were supposed to get a big house, and someone told her that this. Oh, it was uh, Ross Siemens who yeah. comes He's here a to counselor. North. He's a counselor. City counselor owns Hub Motors downtown. He said, "You know, the city rents houses." So uh, Don Lin phoned the city, came and looked at this big house we're in now, and it was, you wouldn't want to keep your dog in there. It was a teardown. So Don Lynn said to the city, I got to talk to my husband. We're going to take it. And I'm going, <laughs> oh, gee. You know, this was the big house she'd always been dreaming. So uh, we got our board together, and one of the, um, they came through the house with four building contractors, and they said, bones are good. So we thought, okay, where do we go from here? So we phoned Vic Schellenberg. He's a pastor here, pastor yep. care. So we met with Vic and oh, I'm trying to remember who else it was. Sorry. Anyway, Vic said, hey, tell you what, we'll give you four minutes at every service on Sunday morning. Mm. So Donna and I just said, this is our vision. This is the big house. We need help. We were overwhelmed. 75 volunteers came forward. Flooring companies, painting companies, contractors, plumbers, uh, new... Um, Furnace, air conditioning, house was totally redone in one month. It's beautiful too, by the way. Yeah. I've been there. It's quite a, quite a place. So we very quickly ended the contracts because it was costing us a fortune. You know, we're looking at $800 a month plus cell phone plus internet for each place. So yeah. probably $3,000 a month we were paying and money was sort of trickling in. Mm -hmm. So we opened up the house um, and filled it. We had... Very quickly after that, our first couple came. They're from Afghanistan and the most precious people you ever want to meet. And then uh, Iraqi Kurdish mm. couple, and it's it's being... And they're in the house that you live there. We live there. We live, you know, I, I listened to your message the other Sunday, and you're talking about how young people nowadays want to live communally. Well, we are living very communally. Yeah, you are. 
<laughs> yeah, we live in the, it's a five level split, 4,000 square feet. Darlene and I live in the top level of the house. We have three rooms up there. And uh, then you move down and it's all common area from there. And we just, it's, we are so amazed um, at the way people get along. And it's just, you know, we started working with the other um, the other two housing organizations. One is also at a Willingdon, two Christian organizations. We said, should we be putting rules in, they place, in place for this? And they said, no, just set the atmosphere. Mm. You know, just have Christ set the atmosphere in the house. We have no rules. We post nothing. Um, and, you know, most recently we had um, a young couple from Iran and Kurdish and another couple, they're 60, 65 years old from Kurdistan. And then a mother and her 12-year-old daughter from Palestine came. Mm. So we're looking at, okay, you look at what's happening in the Middle East, and we thought, what are we getting ourselves yeah, into? Yeah, this could be a... So about four, four days after the mom and daughter came, um, Donna and I went out, met some friends in Vancouver. And all the way into Vancouver and back, we're thinking, what are we going to find when we get home? Got home about 10 o'clock at night, walked in the door. We heard laughter, the smell of popcorn, and there was baking going on. These, it's just, there's something that God has, is doing in that place that is setting a beautiful atmosphere where people just, there's trust, there's love mm. um, that, that happens there. So these people, they stay with you for about eight months? Yeah, six to eight months. Yeah. And during that time, we have... Uh, you walk them through the process of trying to get them refugee claimants. Exactly. So I attend the hearings with them. We uh, try and find volunteer drivers to take them in because sometimes they have to report weekly and monthly to Canadian Border Services to make sure they haven't run. Uh, before they come to us, they're cleared <clears throat> as far as security by CBSA. And uh, yeah, six to eight months. <clears throat> and we also have a woman who comes into the house four mornings a week. She has a PhD in sociolinguistics. Mm. So she teaches English to their level of education. And most who come to us have university degrees mm. and are very well educated. Language is the problem. We talk a lot about Canadian culture and how important it is to um, some of them start volunteering with MCC just to get Canadian um, experience. We also round everybody up and take them to Remembrance Day ceremonies, mm. um, Canada Day, the whole family came back. We had over 30 people on. Because that's know, the number of people who've gone through your house. We've had 28 through the house. Um, yeah, in the last two and a half years since we were there. And it's, it, it's awesome. You know, I get a phone call occasionally from various people and they say, hey, dad, call Dolly. Hey, mom, how are you doing? Yeah. Whenever um, there's a celebration of a birthday or or someone is granted refugee protection, deemed a convention refugee, everybody who's around comes back and we celebrate with Canada stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, we are, everyone who's come through the house has been granted refugee protection. So we work with work permits. When they leave the house, uh, we our, our goal, and we've been successful so far, is that they have uh, work, a place to live, and a furnished, and that place is furnished. Yeah, you guys help them out with the first, right first stuff that yeah. they put in their house. So they're, they have a good foundation yeah. for, um, for beginning their lives. And some succeed more than others in here, I'm assuming? Uh, well, it, 
I don't know. We've had a very good success rate at this. Uh, um, a year and a half ago, we had a young fellow from Afghanistan, 17 years old. Was We took him on. So he's under 18. No one knew what to do with him. We phoned uh, Child Services or whatever it's called, and they said, we don't know. So we said, well, what the heck, we'll take him. Mm-hmm. So we walked him through his first, his last year of high school. He just completed his first year engineering at UBC. Wow. Um, yeah, everybody's, everybody's... And they're all Christians. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Um, but that's a significant part of what you're doing. It did, I mean, the, we can describe what your work in a way that makes it sound like it's, it's, it's uh, focused entirely on getting them status in, the, in Canada. But yeah. that, that is, in many ways, for you, a means to an end. Well, it is. And, and our heart in this is that they would come to know Christ, and they would see Christ in Don Lynn and I and in the volunteers that come into the house. It's not a condition for your service, but no. it's a goal in the no. end. But we, some of the discussions we get going, Jeff, are just phenomenal. During, like Ramadan was um, last month in June, and uh, we're, I'm sitting downstairs with two of the men, one, both of them actually Kurdish. One does not really want to have anything to do with Islam anymore. The other one is, it's more of a traditional thing. And they're talking about all the rules of Islam. And I said, you know, it's really cool. As a Christian, Jesus gave us two commandments, we, rules, mm-hmm. to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. I probably got the order wrong. Mm-hmm. And the other is to love your neighbor as yourself. And I said, you guys are my neighbor. And at Easter time, we had, well, we had 12 on the Sunday and another 18 on the Easter Monday for dinners. To be able to sit around, they're all saying, oh, happy Easter to us. And I said, but Easter's not about chocolate bunnies and all that sort of stuff. And so we talk about Jesus Christ. Yeah, and, and you're very uh, open about your faith in the, cause, oh, yeah. because you're living with the people, your de- yep. devotions, and and uh, yeah, all, all sorts of things that you're actively involved living living your life before them mm-hmm. as faithful followers of Christ. Yeah, so it's it's like it's amazing how open yeah they are. It's like all of all of the pressures of their of their faith is not there anymore, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is is tradition. Yeah, they're they're Muslim and. But what a, what a beautiful opportunity. Every every couple of days I put new scripture. We have a whiteboard down in mm. the kitchen area, and I put new scripture and the discussions that go, get going on that. That's great. So, Are yeah. you, so years ahead from now, this is all you want to do. Just this, these, these, uh, these few, few rooms, this is all you have vision for. Well, um, yes, no. <laughs> um, the biggest thing for us right now is trying to find people. It's, I'll be very honest, you know, our, our Christian community, people look at, look at us like we're crazy and don't really understand. We will be walking around Mill Lake or at Costco and people come up and say, I know you guys, you, you work with those refugees that jumped the border. I said, yeah. And they said, aren't you afraid? Um, I don't know. I really thought about that part, but so it's there's a leap here that um, somehow our comfortable Christian culture and I'm, it sounds like I'm judging has to be able to jump across because it for us to even find people to work with us and we've got a number of volunteers who have made that step they've crossed that line but our desire is yes we would love to see more the three housing uh, organizations. 
uh, ourselves and the other two in Vancouver, we're only covering less than 25% of those who are in need. The other of of housing, who are refugee claimants. The rest are living uh, in the, at night in low barrier shelters oh. in Vancouver, Belkin House and that sort of thing. So it's a very fearful situation. Yeah. So you'd like to see the ability to do more. Yep. For them, and there's some possibilities perhaps in the days ahead. At least that's what you're praying for. That's what we're really praying for. And the biggest thing for us is is one finding others who um, we can we can create the connection with that will walk across that that comfort zone because it, it's it's tough. You know, when we're it sounds like it's all a fairy tale with these folks, but we're riding the waves. I say they're the people. They're people and, and people they, in, in crisis. They miss their families. Yeah. You know, there's turmoil there's horrible things going on in their countries and they don't know whether their families are safe a lot of the time then there's the fear of whether they're going to be returned to that country if their refugee claim is denied so um and you, yeah, you have a window here to show the love of christ though. exactly so one of the things yes it's people but it's also money money, I was money. Say, you need money <laughs> we need money well, we need see, finances yeah have you found that difficult to do? Yeah, for, for you're not a fundraiser. I'm not. You know, that's like that's, I know you, and I don't get the feeling like no. you, your heart. You get up in the morning and think, "Boy, I'm looking forward to asking people for money today." No, I'd rather have projectile vomiting. I think yeah. than, uh, do that. So, yeah, the hardest part for for us is to we love being. Um, embedded, I guess you could say, with these folks on a day-to-day basis and the response we're getting back from those who've left. But yeah, the fundraising part is not us. It's just not us. And so, you know, on September 30th, we've got the Ride for Refuge. If anybody who's a cyclist would like to join our... I'm a cyclist. I know. invite me. Well, I'm here. I've got the... you've got a card. I've got the invitation (laughs) to invite you. (laughs) But we got uh, Adam Wormald, who's on our board, and yeah. Jeff Belcham, who goes to Living Waters yeah. in uh, Fort Langley. There, they've joined the team. Good. We've had a group from Trinity. Oh, these young people, Jeff, have blown us away. They're TRC, Trinity Refugee Awareness Committee. I mean, at Trinity, they, they they're don't they're add putting the together a, a team for us. Track, yeah, track, track. Um, if somebody's interested, you have a website. Yes, we do. It's very simple. Inasmuch.ca. I-N-A-S-M-U-C-A. Much. Yeah. .ca. You can find out all sorts of things. Your contact info is there. Everything's there. And any way that you might want to be uh, getting in touch with on mm-hmm. Peter. Your house is in the middle of our town. Yep. Uh, and people probably drive by it all the time and mm-hmm. have no idea. It's affixed to Mill Lake. It's yep. that little area there. Uh, and it's... You, you just... One of the things that I appreciate about your work is whenever I drive by, I pray for you. Thank you. I ride my bike by, yeah. pray for you. But the uh, that this work is happening mm-hmm. right in little old Abbotsford. Uh, you're seeing remarkable the nations and people from nations anyway being reached with the gospel, and yep. it's quite a great thing to hear. Peter, I'm so thankful that you've come to chat with us today. God bless you. In, Thank you. In in days ahead, I'm sure that Don Lynn who's not here today because she's back east with some family issues Uh, yeah god bless her and the work she's doing as well and uh it's been a pleasure talking to you thanks jeff all right 